If you would please bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for this chance to be together. Lord, take away all of our anxieties, our worries, our depression, our fear, everything, and we cast it upon you. Lord, this morning I ask that you bless the message we're about to receive as well as the music we play and the fellowship between all of us. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. sing together fullness fullness of eternal promise stirring in your sons and daughters earth revealing heaven's wonders spirit come spirit What you spoke is now unfolding. All your children shall be holding. And dreams awaken in this moment. Spirit come, Spirit come. Pour it out.
seated. If you could, you know, look, look over on the uh, teaching monitor, it says All Saints. Um, traditionally, for the last, we'll just say 1,600 years, or maybe 1,400 years, uh, there is a recognition in the church on a certain day of all saints, and uh, especially those who have gone into heaven because of their faith in Jesus. When um, Martin Luther, about 500 and some years ago, taught, taught about all saints. He would talk about the fact that while we're on earth, there are two things that are waging war within us. Sinner and saint. 
And they are battling for our attention, battling to get us to go uh, one way or the other. Now, Hollywood, you know, what do they do? They have the, the pitchfork, right, and the, and the little things, and then the, the angelic creature on each shoulder. Uh, but there is a battle waging. And the truth for you and me is all too often we give in to the sinner part. Our nature is sinful. I mean, we're born into it, and we're drawn to it. And so it's important for you and me to acknowledge that, to confess that sin, and then turn to the person who can make a difference with that sin. And it's not you, it's not me, it's not anybody here, but it's Jesus. He's the one that can make a difference with sin. Namely, he went to a cross, died on that cross for the sins of the world, and then rose again on the third day. And because of that resurrection... We have forgiveness. We have life. We have peace. We have joy. We have all the things that we need to live on this earth and then also to prepare us for heaven. So let's go to him now and thank him for that. Oh, gracious Lord Jesus, out of pure, unconditional love, you came to this earth and you had us in mind. You knew that um, it's our sin, my sin, that would keep us from our Heavenly Father. And you came as a babe in Bethlehem, but then you lived that perfect life and you made your way into Jerusalem and then ultimately on a cross. And you took upon yourself the sins of the world, my sin, our sin. And when you said, it is finished, it was your proclamation for all to hear that you satisfied the wrath of our Heavenly Father. Your sacrifice of your life made a payment for all sin, for all time, so that we, we could be saints, we could live with you forever. So thank you again and again and again for what you do in our life. Thank you for forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And thank you for giving us your spirit so that we can live now according to faith, faith in you. So may we live thankful lives, Lord, today and tomorrow and until we go to heaven. And may we give you all thanks and praise for what you have done, are doing, and will do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I pray that you know that good news because that is the best news ever. God loves you and he loves me and we have a place in heaven. I hope that encourages you. As we continue worship, just a couple quick notes. Um, I know that we have some guests here today. Welcome. Glad you're with us in worship. Uh, we invite you to come back, but before you leave, if you would do one of two things, either stop at Next Steps in Family Gathering area or if you would text uh, 1C guest to 94,000 and that would let us know that you're here, and then we can communicate with you and answer any questions. Also, if you're here today and you have any prayer requests, anything that's on your heart or mind, maybe it's a prayer of concern or a prayer of thanksgiving, uh, we'd love to hear what those are. And you can text your prayers to 402-242-5051. And I, I just think prayer is a beautiful gift God has given his people. And 
I'd like to maybe dial up prayer a little bit more often than than I do because I think it's a great gift God has given. Also, last but not least, a little later we're going to have communion, the Lord's Supper. Um, Several different titles for that. Um, But here at 1C, we believe that when Jesus was in the upper room 2,000 years ago, as he was remembering the Passover meal where God uh, saved his people from Pharaoh in Egypt and uh, delivered them, he said, take, eat, this is my body, take, drink, this is my blood. And so at once, see, we believe uh, in Jesus' words literally, so he had bread and wine in front of him, but he also said it's the body and blood for forgiveness. So that's what we believe, and if, if that's your belief, we invite you and encourage you to celebrate this meal with us in just a little bit. So if you did not receive elements coming into the service today, during the next song, if you would, make your way out into the family gathering area, go to the kitchen, and there'll be the elements there for you to bring back into uh, for uh, Lord's Supper a little bit later. Again, God gives and blesses us with so many gifts, and we, we just say thank you to him for all that he has done and will do. So may our worship today the songs sung, the prayers that are prayed as we look into the word and even communion, may it give God ultimately the glory. Amen.
Boys and girls, I wanted to take a balloon this morning and pop it with one tack, and then take another balloon and pop it with a bunch of tacks to see which one would make the biggest pop. But then I got to thinking it'd probably be hard for you to see a tack up here with me way up here and you out there. Um, plus, when I popped it, my spit might fly out, and that wouldn't be very sanitary. It'd be kind of gross. So I made a video of it so that you can see nice and close and I want you to watch these two different videos, all right? And watch them really close, and we'll see which one makes the biggest pop. First, we're going to watch it pop with one tack and see what happens. Well, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? And it was a pretty big pop. I mean, I had to edit the video so the slow motion wasn't quite so loud because it made such a big boom. Um, and then I recorded popping a balloon with several tacks. I had a whole pile there. And so watch this close, and let's see if it makes a bigger pop, all right? It didn't even pop at all, did it? Did you think it was going to pop? Yeah, I thought it was going to pop too, but it didn't. That one tack wasn't able to hold up the balloon, and it popped it, right? But when there were a lot of tacks all working together, it was able to hold that balloon up and not pop it. You know what? That's a lot like us as followers of Jesus. When we all come together and we work together in unity, we can hold things up and we can accomplish things that we can't do all by ourselves, right? Just like that one tack couldn't hold the balloon up and it popped, but all of them working together in unity could. We can accomplish things. We can hold things up 
in a way together that we can't by ourselves. We can hold up the love of Jesus in a way that we can't by ourselves. We can hold up each other and encourage one another in a way when we come together that we can't by ourselves. So remember that, boys and girls. And maybe if you have a balloon at home and some tacks, you could try this and see how many tacks does it take to be able to hold up a balloon and not have it pop. All right? But let's, let's pray. Would you fold your hands, bow your heads, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help us to work together for the good of others, for the good of ourselves, and for your glory. Amen. All right, we continue. Um, great kids' message, uh, great lead in to where I'm going to be going. And we're going to talk about all saints. And I hope you know that you are a saint. I think there are different church bodies out there that might have a different definition of what a saint is or isn't. Um, I'm going to just give you my definition. A saint is one who has been saved by Jesus Christ. So, you're a saint, I'm a saint. Uh, but as I mentioned, Martin Luther, about 500 years ago, talked about this battle. You know, there's sinner and saint inside of us all the time. And they're vying for our attention. Uh, when God, you know, and, and his spirit is inside of us and tells us to go this way, sometimes our sinner part says, no, I want to go that way. And so there is warfare that goes on. Now, where did this all begin, this warfare? Well, I'd like to bring you back to the story of Adam and Eve. Now remember, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the garden, and the garden was very heaven-like. It was perfect. Nothing in it was bad. And he placed them in the garden, and they were to enjoy everything that was in that garden. But God did have one commandment, one law, was don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, because if you eat from it, what's going to happen? You're going to die. And if you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say this. They have not encountered death yet, so I'm not sure they knew exactly what that meant. But my guess, it's the tone on God's, you know, on his voice saying, if you eat from it, you're going to die. They knew it wasn't good, so they didn't exactly know what it meant. Um, but death did happen, a certain kind of death. In fact, this picture depicts that moment, that um, that the pain, the hurt, the, uh, the angst that was going on with Adam and Eve. And I'm going to take you on a journey of talking about this more in, in light of conflict, all right, and sin, and how those two words can fit together to a degree. Um, but you know what was going on here, the conflict? Do you remember how Adam addressed God after God came, um, after the sin, and God makes his way, and he says, Adam, what, what's up with you? What, what happened? Do you remember what he said? Yeah. He, um, he did the blame game. In fact, he blamed two things. This woman you gave me. So the reason that there's conflict in this world, according to Adam, was this woman and you, God. That was a pretty big statement. Well, we know that really, ultimately, there's personal responsibility for what happened with Adam. I mean, he was at fault. He decided to go against what God had said. And there's a whole big story and preaching moment where, and I'll talk about where was he when Eve was 
having that fruit. I mean, so we'll get to that later. But so conflict happens, and the conflict happened between Adam and Eve. Remember, they noticed that they were naked, and all of a sudden there was a conflict there. Then also, they had to hide from God. So they knew that there was something that changed this way. So they go and hide from him. Now, I wish I could tell you that it ended there, but it didn't. The conflict of sin and its effect continued to go from generation to generation to generation to generation to me. And now to my kids. And, and to my grandkids. You see, this thing called sin or conflict between people and between us and God is a reality. In fact, I'll just put it up on the screen. It's a reality. It's the real deal. It's really what happens. And if you don't feel this conflict in this world, I'd like to know where you live. Because conflict is all over. It's in marriages. It's in parenting. It's between countries, right? How many wars started up because there was some kind of conflict that was going on? Well, I'd like to, to help you understand that um, not all conflict is bad. I think conflict can teach us certain things and, and hopefully mature us. In fact, you know, growing up, I don't know if you grew up this way, but in my household, I, had, I was watching my parents. It looked like all conflict is bad. So what do you do when conflict comes your way? Run. I would like to show you that there is two different kinds of conflict. There's resolved conflict and unresolved conflict. And this happens in my office lots of times when people come in, especially couples come in, and we talk about conflict and its effect. And um, you know this, right? Conflict is all over the place. So as they're sitting there, and I talked to them about this, you could see the question marks in their head. Like, what do you mean? All, you know, they, I think they were taught all conflict is bad. It's what you do with the conflict that makes the difference. And so I'll use an illustration. And I'm going I'm to pick on Brian because he's right in the front row here. So Brian, what is your favorite color? He likes red. And I like blue. So resolved conflict would look like this. You know, I really like blue because I think it's a beautiful color. It reminds me of the sky and all this kind of stuff. But you know what, Brian? I'm glad you like red. Really glad. That's resolved conflict. Unresolved conflict is something like this. I like blue. And who in their right mind would like red? You've got a problem, mister. That's unresolved conflict. And, and I explain this with a lot of passion. If you carry unresolved conflict with you into relationships over time, it is cancerous and it will destroy. And I, that's the reality. So I think we can learn, you know, in some of the simple things like colors, you can look at it and laugh and smile, but there's a lot of moments where we just make a conflict and we make it bigger than everything and we just hold on to it and unforgiveness is there and we just let it separate us for eternity. But we're going to talk about what does it look like when people like you and me live in a world like we do. So, 
How are you feeling when you see the words politics and religion? Do you start having kind of a shake? Do you start twitching? I mean, I, you know, if you, you were taught this too, right? There's two things you don't talk about, politics and religion, because it'll just get you in trouble. And I'm going to tell you yes and no. Because Jesus talked about politics and religion. He dealt with politics and religion. But he understood it correctly. And he navigated through those waters in a perfect way. And not everybody liked what he had to say. So we're going we're gonna to go here, and I'll just tell you, in my 30-some years of ministry, I have never preached on politics. But today I'm going to. I'm not going to preach on who you should vote for. You're not going to hear that from me. But I'm going to talk about the attitude that I believe that God wants you and me to have in this conflict-ridden election season. I'm glad you picked your color red because aren't those the two colors of the uh, political parties, red and blue, and, you know, we got this white in between, and, and yet there's so much tension going on. There's so much um, hurt and pain and disgust because we are missing something. So, nothing divides us like politics because nothing divides us like fear. Now, you're, you might be saying, well, what do you mean by fear? Well, I thought about this, and I thought about what is the number one fear that is connected to uh, the political arena right now and our world that we're living in? And I think it's all about loss. What are we going to lose if they win versus me? You know, my side. And it's all about this loss. Who's going who's gonna to win and who's going to gain? Who's going to lose? And that's the battle going on. And I was thinking about, here's, here's kind of a list of some of the things that people are afraid of losing. Control, opportunity, wealth, culture, freedom, progress. And it's, it's so intense, this fear that families are being divided. I've heard this already. Maybe you have too. It's not just states or it's not just people at the workplace and, you know, it's this versus that. I'm watching families that are being attacked by this. It's unfortunate. And it's sad. So, I'm going to propose these attitudes, and I hope that you can grab hold of these too, because this is, this is how Jesus did it. I would hope that we could disagree politically and still love unconditionally. You can have your views politically. Go ahead. That's fine. But to let love that comes from God be a part of our relationships with people. Um, and this is not happening, right? And why is that? And I think it's maybe revolved more around this question. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics. Because when we start with faith, when faith is the mover and the shaker, when it's connected to Jesus Christ, who is, right, the way, the truth, the life, he is the one who has demonstrated perfect love by going on a cross like that. I mean, when we put that as our first and foremost filter, we're going to be able to navigate through some of this stuff. But if we switch it around and we make our political views first, no wonder we're bumping into each other, even in the church. 
So let me read this again. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics? And I think this is the fork in the road. This is what's going to make a difference as we approach this Tuesday and beyond. I don't know about you. I'm feeling anxiety. Not so much on who's going to be elected, but how we're going to respond as a country, and then let's bring it down to you and me as believers in Christ. Are we going to be able to live in that space and that place that says, you know what, I'm going to maybe disagree with you politically, but I'm going to love you unconditionally. I'm going to love you with the love of Christ. I think it's going to be challenged when we get to Tuesday, Wednesday, or whenever the votes are cast and counted and all that stuff. I won't even get into that, right? Um, but to me, this is a fork in the road. What's going to drive you? What's going to be your filter? Is it your faith or is it politics? And I pray that it's faith. So I'm going to take you on a journey of John 17. It's one of my favorite chapters in the scriptures because we get to see the heart of Jesus. I don't know about you. I, I sometimes, when I'm sitting with somebody and I hear them praying, it gives me a little bit of a window into their mind and heart. What are they thinking about? What are they feeling by what they say? John 17 happens to be one of the very few prayers we have recorded from Jesus himself. But I think we should understand the context of this prayer before we go into the individual verses. So um, let me back up here. Say John 13. Jesus talks about not being here much longer. Wow. The disciples are trying to figure out what does that look like? What does that mean for them? I mean, they're just really stirred. You get to John 14, and Jesus addresses what I call the elephant in the room. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to go, come back to take you so that you may be where I am. Again, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. Especially, I use that for a funeral because the dialogue that goes on between now Thomas and Jesus is priceless. So Thomas goes, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? So then Jesus nails it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we have him preparing the disciples for what's going to take place. So then as we fast forward a little bit, we find Jesus going into Jerusalem. We find Jesus then going into that upper room on that Thursday before Good Friday and Easter. We find him uh, giving us this precious meal called communion. And we have him praying. And we get to hear what's on his heart and what's on his mind. And don't forget, he is the son of God, so he knows what's coming ahead, right? He knows that there's going to be a betrayal with a kiss by a friend. Then he's going to be arrested, then he's going to be put on trial, and then he's going to be beaten, and then he's going to be placed on the cross. I mean, he knows all this is coming in front of him, and yet he takes this time to pray. And I think he's, he's, he's teaching us something important. 
Because as we come upon any trial or trouble or uncertainty, I think we can learn from Jesus. And so I'm going to walk you through just verse by verse, make a couple comments. I think you're going to get to see it firsthand about how Jesus is navigating through unknown times, at least for the world, not for us, not for him. So let's go right away to John chapter um, 17, verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. I'll just say there's probably no word in English that can explain the word glory or glorify. It is beyond your comprehension, beyond my comprehension. We can't get it all. But let me give you some of the words. Grace, mercy, love, power, kindness, compassion. I mean, all of these words and concepts of who God is, Jesus is now saying, glorify your son. Pour it out on me. Give me this, the power, the might, the grace, the mercy, and all that, that, so that your son may glorify you. So let that condition come to me so that I can do this back to you. Because he's going to need this. Because the, the road ahead of him is really, really intense and really painful. So he's asking his father for the glory. Then he goes like this, I will remain in the world no longer. So he's making a statement to his father, and then you kind of get his concern. But they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Dad, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving some people behind I'm really concerned about. Because this world can be brutal. I know this firsthand. So then he says, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. You know, there's a, a major teaching within the Christian church called the Trinity. And we talk about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not three gods, it's one God, but three persons. And they're so connected, you can't pull them apart. So he's saying, just as we're connected, let these people who I'm leaving behind be connected. And going back to, again, Greg's uh, kids' message, perfect illustration. Connect them in such a way that they're a powerhouse in this world. Do your work. Connect them, just like we're connected. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And here's for me a little um, reminder that Jesus sees everything, right? One of the characteristics of Jesus and of God is he is all-knowing. He knows what's going to happen down the road. He knows that the believers are not just the 11 disciples Remember, there were 12. You know, Judas is going to drop off soon. and So he knew it wasn't just going to be them alone. But he says, also for those who will believe in me through their message. And if you remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have this moment where Jesus says, you, and he was talking to the group, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, home base, Judea, a little bit bigger region, Samaria, oh my goodness, those are really different kind of people, and then to the rest of the world. This message is starting to go out. 
So he says, but again, this idea of unity and, and being together and um, this love thing, which we're going to talk about in a moment, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So anyone at any time who claims to be in Christ, may you protect them. May you use them. And now we get a couple little phrases that just grab hold of that all may be one. Does that mean uniformity? I mean, should we all kind of dress the same way or be identical? In it? No. But be united in the important things. And we'll get to the important things in just a moment. But to be united in those things. I'll just make a comment. I think it's absolutely wonderful that there's Catholic and Methodist and Pentecostals, and I think there's something beautiful about the diversity in the body of Christ. But yet, what is it that unites us? Jesus. Jesus. And I pray that, boy, we would get this more than anything. When we start fighting against our brothers and sisters in Christ just because they're a different denomination, I think the enemy's winning. I think he's gaining ground. Because his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. His job is to separate us, not to bring us together. So this is a prayer. This is what Jesus wants. Because he knows that when we're united, we're a force to be reckoned with. And when we're divided, no worries at all. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that. A couple phrases, three of them. That the world, remember, not just me and you, but everybody that's on the space of the earth for time, everyone may believe. I love the picture that Robert, and for those of you that don't know, a friend of mine back in Tucson uh, grabs pictures uh, for me for my sermons. But this idea may believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the moment in history that has changed the course of history. Because if he didn't rise again from the dead, if that tomb was still closed up and the body was still in there, we would have no reason to come together here today. And we would have no reason or power to be united. So he is making it so clear that the world may believe, may hold on to, may embrace, may live with this idea that you have sent me. This is the rhythm of the church, right? We're brought into the family of God. We're trained, we're taught, but we're, we're to be sent out as Jesus was sent out, as the disciples were sent out, and as we are to be sent out. So here, I'm going to give you two points for you to consider for the next three days. And actually more than that, but we'll just say next three days in particular. Number one, would you please pray for oneness? And I, this is a Jim Thielen paraphrase. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. This idea of, of unity. You know, I've, I think I mentioned at the last service, not this, but we made a big banner for, um, for our wedding. I'm trying to think of how many years ago now. 37 years ago. We made a big banner. And it was I, and this is King James Version, I and them and thou and me that they may be perfectly one. 
That's what we've been wanting. And yet there's too many times my sin gets in the way, Kristen's sin gets in the way, we're not. But when we're united, we are a force. When we're united, God is glorified. But there is a reason. Make us one so we can influence many. And here's, here's a scripture verse. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. So when we're united, when we're walking together, we are a force that will be really part of the changing of this world and the bringing of the kingdom. I'll tell you, I still wonder, why was this his equation? Like Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples. Wasn't there a better way than using you and me? But no, he wants for you and me to be about kingdom work. He wants you and me to be united together so that we can have a proclamation of the gospel like none other. So, if you would, number one, pray. Just turn up your prayer for the next three days because you know we're going to hit Tuesday and we're just going to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and for God to do his thing. But here's the second part which might be challenging. No matter if your candidate gets in or not in, pray, Lord, may I love unconditionally. May I not live in fear, but may I live in faith. And here's a little challenge. Look for an opportunity to love unconditionally someone with whom you disagree politically. And you might be sitting there saying, oh my goodness. I mean, sometimes it's hard just to love people I'm in agreement with. But now I'm going to have to, you're going to challenge me to do, yes, that's what I'm challenging you to do. What did Jesus do when he walked on the face of the earth? He interacted with all kinds of people who thought different and whose lives were different, and yet he loved them unconditionally. He met people right where they're at. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well. I mean, I could go on for a while. And he loved them unconditionally. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And here's what I want to say about this scripture. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, how can I do this? This is a volatile topic. This is a world that is really sometimes going to hell in a handbasket, right? I mean, it's just not good. How can I do this? Jesus asked. I have given them the glory that you gave me. So remember the power and the might and the grace and the mercy and all that big long list of the word glory? Jesus says, I've given it to them. That's you. That's me. So that we can be one and also so that the world may know that he was sent for them. So my prayer for us as we now come across a couple more days until this election thing is behind us, pray and love. Pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and love with the love of Jesus like you've never done before. And let's watch what happens in the church and through his people into this world. All in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your unconditional love for us, in spite of all of our failures and shortcomings, that when we come to you, you still hear us, hear us this morning. Dear Lord, please heal our nation. Please protect the voters. Please calm the unrest. Place servants, Father, that the servants win the election. Place a hedge of protection around everyone voting and the candidates. Please wrap your arms around everyone suffering from COVID and their families. Please stop the spread and the start, the healing process. Please protect my family and friends. Keep us safe from COVID and of all the anger and the hatred in our world today. Prayers for a spot on my wife's liver, that it be not cancerous. Prayers for my cousin Heath, dealing with cancer. Prayers that are unspoken for a family member. And prayer, Lord, for thanks that I could see my brother John before he goes home to you. For he knows you and he's baptized. Praise you in all your glory. Prayer for my brother, give him strength as he is in the beginning stages of sobriety. Prayers for our daughter Brielle, who is recovering from a concussion. Please help her to heal quickly so she can go back to school and help her to be able to catch up on all of her tests and clinicals that she has missed. Father, we just thank you for all the unspoken prayers here this morning too, that you know what's on our hearts, and that you hear us and help us to take that unconditional love and to show it to each other as we go forth. And join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to please take the elements out at this time. And uh, just a reminder, the first thing I do is I'm going to share with you the scripture where Jesus was in that upper room and he was giving us this beautiful gift called the Lord's Supper. And then after that, I will invite you then to take those elements. So if you would listen to these words of Jesus. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread and take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. And if you would, take the wine or the juice and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you for the forgiveness of sins.
and we pray. Unconditional love. Thank you, Jesus, for the ways in which you express that in your suffering and death and resurrection, and even in this meal, your love for us to feed us, to nurture us, to nourish us, and to forgive us. So thank you for this precious meal given out of love and received by faith. And we pray that um, this grace, your gift, would empower us to live as, as ambassadors, as a light in this world. Thank you for your grace given, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Gina. That's, that's a really old song, but that message is powerful. He knows your specific name. He knows what's going on, and, and he hears us when we call to him. So I hope you know him that way. Um, he is such a faithful father, and he cares for his children. A couple quick announcements uh,
for us before we have our closing song. Um, how many of you have heard of the um, phenomena, we'll call it that because that's what it is. It's called decision fatigue. How many of you have heard that phrase? Okay, it's going around and ever since March 15th-ish, so many organizations have had to make decisions and then make decisions based on those decisions and they're compounding and you're pivoting, a lot of words that are connected to it and people are getting exhausted making decisions. Um, I want you to know that I have decision fatigue. Perhaps the biggest one was how many Reese's peanut butter cups should I eat? I also learned that I got to be careful when I make an announcement and I joke about, you know, about uh, bring candy for Halloween, you know, a trunk or treat, especially Reese's peanut butter cups. I want to thank you all for those that brought them. Uh, my big decision is how many should I eat? And I've eaten more than I should, but yeah. they were very good. Uh, in light of decision fatigue and trusting God, is uh, Randy's going to talk about the Thanksgiving meal in particular. And we've been praying about this and discussing this for some time. So Indeed we have. Praying, discussing, um, going back and forth on where should we land on this. And, you know, just I just want to give a shout out to all those people that have weighed in on it and... I've talked to a lot of you. Um, probably one of the most significant conversations I've had uh, in trying to figure out what is this going to look like this year is speaking with a very nice, very kind, I will say very wise woman at the East Central Health District. Um, she helped me just kind of think through what does it mean to have the Thanksgiving meal here indoors. And I think after that data and talking to many people and spending lots of time of prayer, we are not going to be doing an indoor part of the community Thanksgiving meal. We are going to do delivery and we are going to do, people can come by and, and, and do carry out, they can do a pickup. So the bottom line is, and, and I think it's a good bottom line, is we will be serving the community. We'll, we, we will be loving the community, and that's what we wanted to get accomplished. Having said all that, this is a project of, a, of major scope. We need people to help, and if you are inclined to lean in on that, there you can use the Church Planner app. You can hit on the button that looks a little bit like that. It will take you to a registration page. You register, and then you'll get an opportunity with a, a drop-down menu to say, oh, yeah, I can do this on this day and this on that day, et cetera. So take a look at that, if you would, and we'll just press on. Yeah. And, you know, last year was my first year to, to watch what we do, and I think it was 650-some people were served here. Amazing. What an outreach. So we want to make sure that people are going to be blessed and we want to do it in a very safe way. So I, I'm usually very hesitant to say the word need. We need you to help. Mm -hmm. I'd rather say this is a mission and ministry opportunity. So just pray about that and, and just listen to God's voice. He's going to lead you because he is that kind of God. He leads and guides. So, yeah, it's a need, but I just want you to know it's an opportunity for you to be a blessing to other people. Another blessing opportunity. Yeah, there is another one, and, and then I'll be done. Um, one sees very own Brian Mahoney. Many of you may know Brian. Uh, he has a heart for um, a Native American tribe up near Rapid City, South Dakota. These folks have recently set up 
a camp for some displaced and homeless tribe members. And he is gathering coats and blankets and food and cash. And in, there's a list of things that would help um, this population quite a bit. He's leaving here next Monday, the 9th, and driving up there in his RV to take a delivery. Uh, if you want to contribute to that, just you know, bring, think winter, think cold, think what people need in that kind of environment and bring those items to the church office. Um, we will be certain that they get to Brian and he can take those up and, and help out these folks. Yep, so by next Sunday, because yeah, he just want to hit the road on Monday. So yeah. thank you for that, Greg. Yeah, we have an opportunity to come together um, as a congregation to lift our country up in prayer. So everyone is invited to come uh, back this afternoon, 1.30 to 3.30. You don't have to stay for the whole thing. If you need to come late or leave early, um, kind of an open house style. But we can come together. We can lift our country up in prayer, pray for current leaders, future leaders, and just pray that God's will would be done and that he would work through them who, no, ma you know, no matter who gets elected. Um, again, 1.30 to 3.30 today also be some music, scripture, and prayer. It will also be live streamed as well. If you are joining us via live stream now and would like to come back then, you can do that. Or if you can't, come back in person. Right. And you can find it on Facebook or even our website. So please, please, uh, if you would, join us. All right, that's it. Would you please stand? I want to share with you the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin. Dwelt among men, my example is he. And the word became flesh, and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Up Calvary's mountain One day they nailed him To die on a tree Suffering anguish Despised and rejected Bearing our sins My Redeemer is he And the hands that healed nations Stretched out on a tree Took the nails from me
my sins far away. Rising, he justified, free me forever. One day he's coming, a glorious day. going to stop there. This is my favorite song. And uh, you know a lot of times I get to hear these guys up here singing with me. I think I'd rather hear you guys sing it this morning. So would you please sing with me? We're living he loved dying he saved You got it. Rising he Great Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Living, he loved Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. And rising, he justified free forever. One day, he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Sadness deep inside